0: Hello and welcome to your daily Star Trek news from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. I'm Allison Pitt and today is Friday, July 19th, 2019. On today's show, Alex Kurtzman and Michael Shabon reveal new details about Star Trek Picard. IDW takes Voyager into the Mirror Universe in a new one-shot – and the Jean-Luc Picard The First Duty exhibit shed some light on when Star Trek Picard takes place. All this plus the answer to Tuesday's trivia question and your weekend staying in playlist, coming up next. Ahead of Saturday's big Comic-Con panel, we have a few new details about Star Trek Picard to tide us over. Early yesterday morning, Entertainment Weekly published an article outlining seven items they learned from a recent talk with executive producer Alex Kurtzman and series showrunner Michael Shabon. What's clear from the piece and echoes what we've heard from Kurtzman and Shabon before is that this is very much a series focused on Picard and his journey, not on Starfleet. At least part of the series isn't even in space. Kurtzman said two things. 1. Events began to unfold that conspire to take Picard back to the stars. And 2. Picard will go to space, but not in a way that anyone expects. EW notes that the producers largely dodged questions about the setting of the series, particularly in the light of marketing, which has been entirely terrestrial so far. Probably the biggest reveal is confirmation that Picard is no longer in Starfleet. Kurtzman said, In some ways, it's easier to be a great man when you're a captain, but it's an entirely different thing when you don't have an army behind you. When you want to get something done and fight an injustice, how do you do that when you're really only one man? Michael Chabon's comments in the EW piece focused on the Picard character. Fans have wondered whether we will be seeing Diplomat Picard or Action Picard, But maybe we'll just see Picard, the man. Shabon said, He's a lot older, and we're not shying away from that at all. We're dealing with a man who's in a very different place in his life. The quality of Patrick's acting, if anything, has gotten even better over time, and he was already a master. He has an ability to hold you riveted, even when he's just sitting and listening expect more star trek picard details over the weekend just a reminder that star trek's big hall h panel at comic con starts tomorrow at 11:30 p.m. san diego time idw announced a brand new star trek comic series yesterday at comic con and it's a first the new one-shot star trek voyager mirrors and smoke is the first foray for the voyager crew into the mirror universe from IDW, Voyager Mirrors and in Smoke introduces Captain Janeway of the Voyager, a rebel ship stranded in the Delta Quadrant, far from the ruins of the Terran Empire. When Janeway crowns herself Pirate Queen of the Quadrant, the locals, including Scavengers Neelix and Kess, won't give up without a fight. Amid this conflict, the crew of the Voyager has a second problem on their hands. Just who is the Terran calling herself Annika Hansen? And can she be trusted? Mirrors in Smoke is a one-off story, but it will serve as an introduction to a series of one-off stories featuring other series explorations of their mirror universe selves. Planned other stories include those from the original series and Deep Space Nine. Star Trek Voyager Mirrors and Smoke will be available from October and will feature a cover by JK Woodward and a special retailer incentive cover by George Calcidas. Hints about Star Trek Picard from the First Duty exhibit and getting you set up with your weekend podcast playlist in just a moment. But first, a word from me. This show is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. From as little as $1 a month, you can help me keep the show running and allow me to concentrate on bringing you the best Star Trek content as it happens. To find out how you can be a part of the Daily Star Trek News family, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash Daily Star Trek News. That's patreon.com forward slash Daily Star Trek News. And a big thanks to you for supporting this show. One of the big features of CBS's Star Trek Universe offering at Comic-Con this year is the Jean-Luc Picard The First Duty exhibit. Taking place at the Michael J. Wolf Gallery in downtown San Diego, just a stone's throw from the convention center, this special exhibit is open to the public. No convention badge required. It occupies the same space that the Star Trek Discovery exhibit did at Comic-Con last year. TrekMovie.com was first on the scene when the exhibit opened yesterday and offered up a great rundown of what you can expect to see when you go. So first up, there's an in-universe explanation of the exhibit. Inside the gallery, a placard reads, One of Starfleet's most decorated officers, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, retired from Starfleet in 2386, after more than 50 years of service returning to a quiet life tending to his family's storied winemaking tradition in the Chateau Picard vineyards of La Barre, France. Many of Picard's personal mementos and rare artifacts from his life and career are stored in the Starfleet Museum Quantum Archives, located at Starfleet Command Headquarters in San Francisco. For the first time, many of these artifacts are now available to view in a special touring exhibition, celebrating his career of service and lifetime of dedication to the principles of Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets. Trek Movie points out that there are some hints to the timeline of Picard in the exhibit, notably that Picard retired from Starfleet the year before the Hobus disaster. That happened in 2387 and that the casual attire that we've seen so far in promotional materials is labelled Jean-Luc Picard's civilian attire, 2399. That's 20 years post-Nemesis. There are also a number of props and costumes worn by Picard over the years, including his next-generation Series 1 jumpsuit uniform, the Borg Queen's skull, and the Ressican flute he learned to play in The Inner Light. The exhibit also features a store where you can buy exclusive Star Trek Picard merchandise. I'll be heading to Jean-Luc Picard, the first duty this weekend and taking pictures as well. So keep an eye out for that. I said duty. Now it's time to get you set up for the weekend with the latest podcasts from across the Roddenberry Podcast Network. First up, topical for this weekend, on The Trek Files with Larry Nemechek. San Diego Comic-Con organizer Shel Dorf sent Gene Roddenberry the 1973 program book, along with an invitation to appear at the next event he'd host, King Con. On this, the 50th anniversary of SDCC, The Trek Files is proud to welcome someone who was there from the beginning, the original Comic-Con Star Trek liaison, Gene Graham. On Women at Warp, the crew takes a look at the Deep Space Nine season four two-parter Homefront and Paradise Lost, discussing themes like security, individual liberty, government overreach, fear and paranoia, and arming yourself against the threat of an invisible enemy. On Mission Log, our old friend William T. Riker stops by Deep Space Nine during leave, but he's not acting like himself. In fact, he's not himself. He's Thomas Riker, Will's transporter clone. Thomas is on a mission to steal the Defiant in the name of the Maquis and challenge the Cardassians in the demilitarized zone. Is the mission about policy, though? Or is it about ego? John Champion and Ken Ray put Defiant into this week's Mission Log. Then on Mission Log Live this week, what does it take to build a Star Trek attraction? Paramount's Dave Rossi won't tell you, though he's more than happy to talk about it in theory. Plus, is there really such thing as Star Trek fatigue, and is Ken still fighting his side of this side of paradise? Answers to these questions and more when Dave Rossi stops by Mission Log Live. And finally, on Priority One, the team are catching you up on the week's biggest news stories and the latest in Star Trek gaming. Head over to podcasts.rodenberry.com for all these shows in one convenient place. And now, it's the answer to this week's Trek Trivia. On Tuesday, I asked you, although Gene Roddenberry changed the name of the main starship in Star Trek to Enterprise, we still saw the USS Yorktown in two other iterations on screen. But what were the registry numbers of the two other Yorktowns? The answer? The 24th century starship USS Yorktown was NCC-20045 and was numbered in a display graphic in the background of the episode, Measure of a Man. The 23rd century Yorktown, one of the ships disabled by the probe at the start of Star Trek IV, the one with the whales, is NCC-1717. That registry number was a little harder to come by. The Yorktown didn't have a registry number on screen, but was identified in a 1973 fanzine article and propagated thereafter and is commonly accepted today. I would also accept NCC 1704, NCC 2033, or NCC 61137. And they say the naming of cats is a difficult matter. For more Trek trivia... Tune in next Tuesday. Well, that's it for today's daily Star Trek news from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. For more great Star Trek podcasts, be sure to check out podcasts.roddenberry.com. This show is supported by people like you, patrons through Patreon. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash daily Star Trek news. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just shoot me an email at info at com, or find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Daily Trek News. I'll be back with a brand spanking new episode of Daily Star Trek News on Monday after I recover from Comic-Con. I'm Allison Pitt. Have a wonderful weekend and live long and prosper. com.